today's episode, we will be discussing the ideals surrounding hegemonic masculinity and how it relates to modern day sport. In addition to this, I have two special guests, Mr. Jeff Eastman and Mr. Joseph Dodson, two experts in the field of sport who will speak on their experience and perceptions of hegemonic masculinity within sport. So for starters, let's define hegemonic masculinity. Eugene Yang, author of What's Hegemonic About Hegemonic Masculinity, Legitimation and Beyond, defines hegemonic masculinity as the configuration of gender practice, which embodies the currently accepted answer to the problem of the legitimacy of patriarchy, which guarantees or is taken to guarantee the dominant position of men and subordination of women. Now that's a lot to unpack, but essentially, This practice aims to explain how and why men maintain dominant social roles over women and other gender identities, which are perceived as feminine in a given society. It also focuses on how the social roles of women and men seemingly influence one another. So in Yang's article, the author discusses the common perceptions of hegemonic masculinity and the focus on the regressive elements of it an attempt to highlight the potential this practice has to evolve and stray from its original agenda, which justifies patriarchal Recently, ideals. I watched the Billy Elliot film, which had a lot of these themes running through it. The film is about an 11-year-old English boy named Billy who takes a strong liking to ballet, despite being pressured to take up boxing. Billy's father learns about Billy's interest and participation in ballet classes and expresses his disapproval forbidding Billy from entertaining the thought of being a part of what he calls a sport for poofs. The film shows Billy and his family navigating the challenges of poverty throughout the movie. We also learn that both Billy's father and brother are coal miners, penny-pinching to stay above water. It also follows Billy as he challenges the socially accepted beliefs of men and women in sport by following his dream of doing ballet. After reading Yang's article on hegemonic masculinity and then watching the Billy Elliot film, I think we should start this conversation off by considering where we see hegemonic masculine ideals translate across sport and in what way. To ways. help us gain some insight on this, I would like to bring out our first guest expert, Mr. Jeff Eastman. Mr. Eastman currently serves as, as an assistant track and field coach at a local college in the area. He's also very well-versed in sport as both a former multi-sport athlete and he has coaching experience of 24 years. And he just happens to be my dad. Welcome, dad. Happy to have you. So today we're talking about hegemonic masculinity in sport, which is in essence the presence of stereotypically masculine traits or behaviors being overemphasized in athletic environments resulting in the displacement of groups of people who do not possess these traits. Okay, so what does the demographic look like for the current team you're coaching? It's pretty balanced between male and female um, throughout uh, every event group. Um, What about across discipline? Does it is it more male or female? And uh, the only one that I could think of would be the the weight throws, okay, which is more male than female. Uh, there's not a great disparity, 
mm-hmm. but there's I would definitely say there's more male than female is that do you think because of the strength based element there I think a lot of it has to do with it mm-hmm. um, but um, I couldn't say for sure but it's like I said it's it's when you look at the two that's probably the the, the greatest of the disparities between uh, the cross disciplines. Okay. And what about the coaching um, demographic? What does that look like, male to female ratio? With, for, for my particular, um, for my particular team, it's, um, it's bordering on five to one, um, or four to one, four males to one female. It will be now. It was in the beginning, the first years, and then the female coach left, and it was just uh, a total of five male coaches. Um, But now one of the coaches has retired, and the chances are his position will be replaced by a female coach. Interesting. So um, I guess in terms of messaging, Mm -hmm. what does the messaging look like between your female athletes and your male athletes? Does it match or is it different? I think the messaging is the same between both. The delivery would be different uh, just because of the different ways that male and female athletes perceive and receive uh, and process information. And is there a difference in your personal approach towards female and male athletes? Yes. Uh, With the female athletes, I make them the object of my focus first and then emphasize their ability to perform. With the guys, I put more emphasis on their ability and not so much on them personally. And is that so that each athlete, female and male, can get the same quality Yes, out of their training? Yeah, because it has to do with motivation and, and buying into what I'm trying to get them to understand or to do. Because guys, most of the guys that I work with already come in believing that they can perform a certain way and they have the skills to do a lot of the females with some of the things that are asked even though they're partici- participating in you know the same events some of the training that's involved they see as complex and a lot of times they'll think this is too hard or this is too complicated and I can't or whatever have you so it's just getting them to believe that they're capable of doing everything that's being given and then making them the center of the focus which seems to play a bigger role in motivating them understood um we all know that track and field is a co-ed sport do you see any hegemonic masculine ideals present within the sport or in its athletes i don't i really don't at least not as far as the coaches are concerned, 
Okay. Now that may be the view of some of the athletes, but definitely not with the coaches, whether male or female. Do you think because it's a co-ed sport that the demands are generally the same across men and women? I think it is because it's not, because track and field test individual skills based on different events and whatever have you. So it's not like they're, they're not designed to, to exploit the genders. It's just physical ability. So it's either you can or you can't, regardless of whether or not you're male or female. So, so I really don't think there's anything, if there's anything hegemonic about it, it comes from outside in between the genders and it's not a part of the sport itself. I like that. That's, that's really insightful. Um, now I'm going to tap in a little bit into your personal um, background. So thinking back on your own personal athletic career, what traits and behaviors um, that were displayed by athletes received the most praise from coaches? <clears throat> Supporting your teammates, uh, being there and trying to mesh with all the other members of the team or in the sport. Um, I think that was always the biggest thing is, is just emphasizing unity, uh, not so much masculinity. Of course, there's always going to be the, you know what, hey, go out there and, you know, give it your best and, you know, rip this and tear that, you know, there is a display of masculinity, but it's not as, it, that's not emphasized as much as it is as unity. And you can say that um, kind of across the board with all the sports you were in? Absolutely. With every sport that I've been in, and even in those where, um, even in those where that were actually considered masculine sports, where for one reason or another, you managed to have cross-gender participation, mm -hmm. at least as far as male sports, the, the emphasis was still on uh, unity mm -hmm. and supporting uh, one another as a team and teammates. That's pretty cool, especially because of the, the time, the era you played in. Um, and one of my final questions for you is, as a male, did you ever participate in a sport or want to participate in a sport that wasn't recognized as a traditionally masculine sport? The only two I can think of were volleyball and tennis. Um, volleyball, at the time that I was growing up, they only had female volleyball. There was no male teams. Um, and tennis, you had both. Unfortunately, I didn't possess the skills to be able to play tennis. <laughs> and, and then I had an interest in gymnastics, but there was no gymnastics teams. You know, me and my friends would do our own things outside of school. You know, the typical, you know, learning how to do pikes and flips and... Cartwheels and stuff. Cartwheels <laughs> and, and um, backovers and stuff like that. But uh, other than that, um, no. Awesome. Well, thank you for setting aside some time to be a guest on my podcast. 
I sincerely appreciate your insight, and I know our listeners can definitely learn a lot from this discussion. So thank you, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) Our next guest expert is Mr. Joseph Dodson. Joseph is a former dual sport athlete at SDSU, where he played rugby and did crew, also known as rowing. He also served as head coach for Desert High's track and field team for two years. And fun fact, we share last names because he's also my husband. So welcome. Thank you for having me. Of course. So today we're talking about hegemonic masculinity as it relates to sport. Thinking back on your own personal athletic career, what traits and behaviors displayed by athletes receive the most praise from coaches and or peers? Sure. Great question. I, I think the four sports that I did most in my life be football, and then I threw in track and field in high school, and uh, not not only did I coach it, but I did participate in it. And then I did crew in college and played rugby. Um, despite rugby and football both being aggressive sports, rugby, the coaches didn't really seek the aggression side of that the way that they did football. They they actually focus a lot more on techniques similar to throwers and definitely similar to crew, where again, technique was very important. So I, I think three out of the four really focused on technique and coaches really pushed athletes to have better technique, whether that was tackling in rugby or how to perform the perfect stroke rate and stroke in crew, you know, but then football, it was aggression. And one way I could put it is a, a pure lack of regard for your own well-being in a lot of ways, which I do think in the reference of hegemonic masculinity, that is a key example of that. You know, the, that masculine drive of power, et cetera, things like that, it was definitely rewarded more so in football. And do you think that um, technique was emphasized a lot more with the women's teams of these sports? Well, I mean, women don't even get to play football most of the time, right? So it's true. <laughs> um, there's that aspect. That, I mean, and that's that sport is a perfect example, in my opinion, of the just I I would say discrimination, but I don't know if that, that might be too strong of a word, but of the differences between male and female and the way they're perceived within a, in a perceived within an aggressive sport. Um, I do believe track and field, um, even women's rugby, and and women's crew. Yeah, I do think technique is pushed. Um, my experience coaching track and field, I did have to, or I felt the need to push a little bit more of the aggression with the female athletes because they didn't necessarily seem to come from as much of an aggressive background as some of the other athletes because half the track athletes were football players. And so some of them, most of them knew how to get that push. Okay, so keeping that in mind, um, I recently watched a film called Billy Elliot. It was about an 11-year-old boy who enjoyed dance and wanted to pursue ballet, despite his father's pressure to commit um, to boxing. Do you think that within society, there's a pressure for boys to pursue only traditionally masculine, masculine sport and for girls to pursue only traditionally feminine sports? Traditionally... And most of my life and in the past, I would say 100% yes. I do think that has shifted maybe in the last 10 years or so. 
but in general, yeah, I mean, you can, my background is in political science, so not to get too political, but with, you know, tying that into sociology and anything like that, it, you can see that in our politics and how women doing masculine sports or men doing quote unquote feminine sports is just fought against on so many different levels. And, and, you know, we're told by all these talking heads that men are becoming weak because they want to do a sport like ballet or they want to play tennis instead of football or things like that. It, it's just there, there is, I think, a societal push to make men more masculine, quote unquote, more aggressive, more dominant, and women less so. That's an interesting perspective. So in your opinion, are we as a society progressing from the ideals of this gendered practice? Well, progression is probably subjective, (laughs) but I do believe that we are moving towards a more, oh, I guess not, well, maybe it would be homogenous example of uh, gender identity in this in the, in sport that women can do some of the male sports and males can do some of the female sports. I, I do think we are moving that direction. Yes, we can hope so. Right. Well, thank you so much for contributing to this discussion on hegemonic masculinity by sharing your experience and for being a guest on my podcast today. I very much appreciate it. We have gained a lot of perspective today on the perception of hegemonic masculinity in sport. I thank both of my guests for being willing and candid with their thoughts, opinions, and experiences. The purpose of this podcast was to catalyze conversation about the beliefs that stem from hegemonic masculinity and to better understand the various experiences others have had navigating the presence of this practice in sport. In my personal experience, a lot of hegemonic masculine ideals that are naturally present in sport were mitigated more than normal. Despite being part of the marginalized group referenced in the hegemonic masculinity definition, I was fortunate enough to have family, friends, coaches who didn't subscribe to this belief and didn't allow me to either. For that reason, I would say that my horizon in sport was not visibly impacted by hegemonic masculine ideals. But that's not to say that I was exempt from experiencing it as a whole. As we know from the Yang article, these ideals can also be cleverly embedded in policies of institutions that the majority of us, including myself, heavily frequent. Personally, I believe that no athlete, female or otherwise, is exempt from the grooming process that comes along with that title. A grooming process based wholly in masculine ideals and one that encourages traditionally masculine behaviors. Maybe that's why, to the point of my first guess, the demands and expectations of athletes start to look identical once they compete at the collegiate level, especially in co-ed sports like track and field. This could also be why hegemonic masculinity can be so readily consented to, as Yang referenced in his article. I hope this discussion today helps you to think about your own perception of hegemonic masculinity and the ways in which it may have impacted your journey as an athlete, an administrator, or even just as a person who has a passion for sport. Thanks for tuning in. Looking forward to keeping this conversation relevant with your friends.